right, if not, we'll be in Psalm 114 tonight. Psalm 114. <clears throat> Glad we can get into God's Word tonight. Dig into it. Uh, uh, it's been a while since we've done a psalm. Uh, we were there for a while. It seemed like uh, on the evening services we're hitting them pretty often. Uh, so I want to get back into this one tonight. We'll see see what God has to offer us. But Psalm 114 says this. Uh, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, uh, from a people of strange language. Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What aileth thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Uh, thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? Ye mountains, that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble thou, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turneth the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, word tonight. Lord, I pray that you help me to be able to preach tonight. Lord, help us to listen and to learn from you. And Lord, we thank you for uh, each one that's here. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, uh, Lord, to dig into your word tonight. Lord, to see uh, uh, the beauty of it. And Lord, I pray uh, that, Lord, maybe if there's someone listening that doesn't know you, uh, I pray that they would come to know you before it's too late. Lord, that uh, uh, that they would find uh, peace in Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. And amen. So this, uh, uh, there's a group of psalms that uh, the Jews would sing that's connected to the Passover. So when they were celebrating the Passover, there was a group uh, from Psalm uh, 113 to Psalm 118. So this, this little section of psalms right here in the Bible that are next to each other, they would sing this and they broke it up to where Psalm 113 and 114 were before the Passover meal, and then right after the meal were the other ones. So uh, if you think about that and you keep that in your mind, one of the things I want to remember is think about Jesus and his disciples. Remember in the upper room, they're celebrating the Passover, uh, and he's, he's going to give them, after they're finished, a new thing to do in remembrance of him uh, with the bread and with the cup. Uh, and uh, when, the, you know, so I want us to get us in that mindset that we're thinking of a lot of times when we take communion. So in that in that upper room, they would have uh, sang 113 and 114. Uh, and we know that they sang after the meal was done because Matthew 26, 30 says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So we, we know that this is what they did. They, that's what the Jews did. This is what the disciples and Jesus Christ did. Uh, so the last thing they did in that upper room was where they, they would have sung a hymn. And that hymn would have been 115, 116, 117, and 118. I don't want to look at all of them tonight, but I want to dig deeper into 114. So this would have been the last one before they started eating the lamb, uh, before the, the beginning Passover feast. Uh, uh, before, you know, Jesus did the second thing after that. So if we just think about kind of the context of this. Now, the Jews would have memorized these. They would have had them by memory. They would have known how to sing them. They would have known all these things. But, uh, uh, you know, they are celebrating the Passover. And you think about for the Jews, 
It's huge. It is a huge feast for them. Uh, it's when the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Really, uh, their nation kind of began at that uh, with that event. Uh, and one of the things that you can see is clear in this psalm is talking about the power of God. You know, when it's talking about mountain shaking and everything, we'll talk about that. Uh, but it is clear. It is dealing with God's power. Uh, uh, but one thing that I noticed is before you can get the power of God, verse 1 says, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. And one of the things uh, you see again uh, over and over in the Bible is the the way he showed his great power was he brought the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. But before he did that, there was separation. You know, there's always, uh, uh, or sanctification or separation, whatever you want to call it, uh, God began to separate Egypt and Israel even before uh, he brought them out the last couple plagues remember one of them was like the plague of darkness the Bible says the darkness was so bad that it could be felt in Egypt but in the where the children of Israel were uh, it wasn't dark over there he was separating them and showing that hey there is a difference there uh, uh, the children of Israel had light and he is showing uh, again Egypt is a picture of the world and a picture of in and God's drawing a line. He's saying, in the world you're going to have darkness, uh, but where my people are, where my presence is, you will have light. And then I thought about another thing the psalm talks about later is when they're getting ready, Joshua, uh, in, in chapter 3, they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. Uh, in Joshua 3, 5, he tells the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And, and here's the thing. I hear it a lot. Uh, people believe today, Christians believe, that spiritual power comes from ourselves. You know, they believe that uh, I'm the one that has the spiritual power. And if I just uh, uh, think hard enough or, or, or whatever, uh, you know, that it'll bring more power. But they're wrong. The spiritual power comes from God. Uh, and if we want that spiritual power, really, we have this power in spite of ourselves. We're the ones that get in the way. We're the ones that can quench the spirit. But Joshua told them to sanctify yourself, separate yourself, live righteously, be obedient to the Lord, and then see what he does, right? Uh, you live righteously. So if you want to see spiritual power in your life, there has to be a separation from the things of this world. And I, I can see it right here in the beginning. He's showing them there's a line drawn. There's a difference between Israel and Egypt. And when he's bringing them out, there's a separation. They'd lived in Egypt 400 years and many of them had learned the language, but it was still a strange language to them. They kept speaking Hebrew. So you think, do I need to uh, be, do I need to learn Hebrew to get the power of God? No, but here's one thing. We need to be less concerned about what the world is saying, the strange language, and more concerned about what God's word is saying. There's got to be a separation there. And once there's a separation, what's it say? Verse two, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel, his dominion. As soon as they're separated, God makes uh, uh, Israel his own, their own nation. And he decided that in the tribe of Judah, there in Jerusalem, that's where he's going to put his sanctuary. That's where the city of Jerusalem, he's going to put his name. His tabernacle would be there. Later, his temple would be there. All things, uh, a symbol of God's presence. 
And he gave Israel his dominion, that place where he would be, the sovereign God would rule forever. He's going to rule and reign from them for, from there forever. And here's the thing. Wherever God dwells, he rules. He's going to rule over it. He's not going to let something else. And he's got to have complete rule over our life as well. And here's what I see a lot of times. We've got Christians, they want the sanctuary. They want the power of God. They want the presence of God, but they don't want to be ruled by God, right? That's the problem. They want all these things. And here's the thing, uh, the modern church today, uh, they'll give you these sound bites on the internet. And, and I was thinking, if you really want a sound bite that's backed by the Bible, you can't uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, if you're living unrighteously or living in disobedience or not living by faith. It doesn't work together. You know, again, I've said it many times, the Spirit's first name is holy, yet people try to uh, live their own way and live disobediently and say, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. No, you're not. No, you're not. There's separation. And then that brings the power, but the power also brings the rule by God. It's his dominion, his sanctuary. And guess what? He rules over our life as well. We just have to let him do it. Verse three, the sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. So again, if you remember, the children of Israel first came out of Egypt. And what did they run into? They ran into a problem. They, they ran into a dead end, the Dead Sea or the Red Sea. Uh, and they're trapped there. Uh, the, Egypt and Pharaoh changes his mind. The armies and chariots are coming after them. Uh, but God put a wall of separation in between. And they thought, well, we might as well basically have died in Egypt uh, where we had all these things instead of dying out here. Uh, and and uh, I like what Moses told him in Exodus 14 13 fear ye not stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today ye shall see them again no more forever and what's God do he parts the Red Sea they cross over on dry ground uh, and the Red Sea saw the power of God that day right it's that's what it says the sea saw it and fled uh, it fled from the presence of the Lord that day I already mentioned Joshua 3, but if you go down to 15 and 16, and as they that bear the ark were coming to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks, all at the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap. So the Jordan River was overflowing. It was at flood stage. It was raging. But as soon as the feet of those that carried the ark of the covenant touched the edge, of the water that mighty river just started walling up uh, and stopped so they could walk across on dry land without a bridge and yet again uh, that ark was uh, a representation of the presence of God and yet another reminder that the power of God and the presence of God was more powerful than nature what well, makes sense because he created this earth so whether it's the Red Sea or the Jordan River, or the ten plagues in Egypt, all these things, you could tell God made it clear he was in control of this world. He's in control of nature. And then as we look at the next three verses, the mountains skip like rams and the little hills like lambs. What aileth thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back. Ye mountains, that ye skip like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. So remember, this is the 
that last psalm that Jesus and the disciples would have sung in the upper room before they started the Passover. And see, the disciples know that Jesus is God. They know he's the son of God, uh, but they're about ready to learn uh, another lesson. Remember, Jesus, uh, they're celebrating the Passover, but they're going to learn that Jesus is the Passover lamb. He's the one that was being pictured. Jesus is going to give his life on the cross for the sins of the world. And they could, you know, as we're getting in these verses right here and thinking about God being more powerful than the mountains and everything, uh, they would have remembered those disciples would have walked with Jesus and they would have watched him show his power over creation when he walked on the water, when he calmed the storm, when he had them catch all the fish. Uh, when he cursed the fig tree, when he turned the water into wine. Uh, and then as he's up on the cross, there's three hours of that pure darkness over and over again. God showed that he was had power over all of creation that he created. Uh, I, and as you keep looking in verse seven, tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord and at the presence of the Lord, of the God of Jacob. So when Jesus, when he's up on the cross and he finally gives up the ghost, he says, as it is finished uh, he bows his head uh, and he he leaves this life the earth shakes the bible says there's an earthquake and remember at that time many rose from the dead uh, the old testament saints uh, and then three days later on that easter morning before it was yet dawn the bible says there was a great earthquake and then after that the angel rolled the stone away uh, so we could see inside the empty tomb uh, but you see the things and you look at verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, the psalmist is almost challenging the earth. He's almost like he's telling the mountains, hey, reminding them, you are nothing in the power of God. And we don't, we don't have mountains around here, but if you ever go to places that have mountains, you see the sheer size and you see people trying to climb them and many perish uh, because of the size and the danger and everything else. And these mountains flee and tremble uh, at the presence of the Lord. And that just uh, amazes me to think about. But you know what else we should think about and understand today is if the mountains uh, flee, tremble at the presence of the Lord, uh, if the earth itself trembles at the Lord's presence, let me tell you something. If any person stands before the Lord in his holiness and in his power, they're going to tremble as well. In fact, the Bible says that, Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You look through the Bible, every person in the Bible that encountered the Lord in all of his glory and all of his holiness. They did the same thing. They all fell to the ground as dead and they all admitted they were a sinner. And that's exactly what's going to happen to people in this world. The sad thing is it's going to be too late for so many of them. If you don't trust in Jesus Christ uh, before this life is over, you will, you will stand before Jesus, but it'll be too late. That's why you've got to come to him for salvation today. Uh, you trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins today. But you know the problem of the world today is there's no fear of God. People believe that they're never going to stand before God in judgment. That they'll never have to answer for what they've done. But that's just the lies and deception of the devil. The Bible says 
that all have sinned and come short of the glory. And the Bible says that we're all as appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment, we will stand before the Lord. And then so many churches have tried to appease the world by preaching you can live however you want, but that's a lie. The Bible doesn't say that. And then finally in verse 8, which turneth the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. Remember at the time where the children of Israel were walking in the wilderness, Exodus 17, they're in the wilderness, they come to Rephidim, there's no water to drink, and they're murmuring, they're mad at Moses, they're about ready to pick up stones and kill Moses because it's his fault that he's taken him to a place with no water, uh, and Moses is frustrated, he goes to the Lord, and the Lord tells Moses in verse 6, thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and then later Paul is going to write in 1 Corinthians 10.4 about the the same event and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ and rock is capitalized both times it's a name for Jesus Christ and he's saying hey uh, that rock was me in the Old Testament that gave them water to drink that uh, and then remember as Jesus was on this world he promised fountains of living water to whoever would trust in him they never thirst again and you think of about that this verse 8 is the last verse they would have sang before starting the Passover meal which turneth the rock into a standing water the flint into a fountain of water and then they start eating there's the disciples there's Jesus Christ he's about two hours later give his life on the cross for the sins of the world and you think about it the more we dig into whatever it is whatever feast whatever ritual in the Old Testament they all point to Jesus Christ it's not an accident it's because God is so much bigger than we are he can make this entire Bible fit together and interweave together so that every detail points back to Jesus Christ it wasn't an accident that they sang this psalm uh, talking about the rock and then knowing that that was the same rock he said he would build his church on and the same rock that gave fountains of living water in the Old Testament is the same rock that we can find living water today in Jesus Christ. And you think about that all together. They're about ready to uh, partake in the meal. But after the Passover lamb, uh, after they go through the ritual, then Jesus says, I'm the Passover lamb with the cup and with the bread. And then he dies for the sins of the world. And I thought about all of that together. And that reminds me of Pastor Jimmy. You just say, what a God. Only God can do something like this. And it just amazes me. Then after he showed them that, after he washed their feet, they sung a hymn. They went through the rest of the, this group of psalms right here into 118. They went to the garden to pray. And he prayed in great agony. And he was saying to the Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And he gave his life for you and I. What an amazing picture of the Lord. What an amazing psalm you think about. One thing is it shows the power of God. God's power has the power to free from bondage. It has the power to move mountains. It has the power to push back the waters and everything else. But I'm glad that same power has the power to save a soul. 
It has the same power to keep us. And when we're thirsty, we can come to him and find drink. Because that's what they needed. They needed, uh, uh, they just needed temporary water. But isn't it great when we ask for something like that? And the Lord gives us living water. What a wonderful God. So I'm going to close tonight. We're going to open.